Do you know what I've been worried about lately? <laughs> what? Fanny packs making a comeback. People are calling them oh. man straps now. No, they are um, not. Absolutely, 100%. They're selling them as something else that you put over your shoulder that like clicks across your chest like oh, a satchel. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. But if you put it around your waist, it's still a fanny pack. And also a man strap is basically it, it sounds a like jock a jock strap, strap right? yeah oh do you did you bring your man strap if anyone ever brings a man strap anywhere <laughs> where i'm at i'm gonna think of a really good threat in a minute <laughs> hey guys welcome to take me to coffee this is a mentorship podcast for the digital age <laughs> this podcast is for the doers the builders, and the people who are making things from the ground up. The best part of a coffee date is getting personal with someone who's been down the road before you. So this is your weekly chance to pick the brains of some super smart people. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration. So it's really early in the morning and we are recording this podcast. Jess, what have you been up to these days? Oh man, I've been thinking a lot about the podcast and coffee. Coffee like my delicious intelligentsia coffee that I'm drinking. <gasps> intelligentsia. I finally. Call us. I finally have suaded you to start drinking intelligentsia. I actually really do. Maybe I can be convinced otherwise, but I'm not a... Um, coffee snob? No, no, I'm a coffee snob for sure, unfortunately. Okay. But like, I don't, you know, tried and true through thick and thin stick with one coffee because I like everybody's coffee. All right. I hear that about you. I heard that you're a equal opportunity coffee lover. <laughs> so much innuendo it's so everybody gross. else it's is so gonna be like why are they innuendo. laughing at this what are you giggling at if you hey listen if you want to know what we're actually giggling about there's a lot of nonverbal cues that we've got going on here between the three of us uh our producer and me and jess get on over to patreon subscribe to that be a part of the game you want to be a part of something be a part of our patreon i definitely thought so you, you could see us make faces at each other i thought you said pee a part of the game i might have said that i don't know what's <laughs> happening right it's, now it's early andrew you get to come home soon oh my god it's four and a half sweet sweet months the countdown has begun that must be weird you've had a job like consi- for those of you who are not in theater and are listening <laughs> what <laughs> you've had a yeah, job dude, period you a, a big you've had deal. a job it sounded like a huge <laughs> question mark at the end of that <laughs> fuck I didn't finish my sentence. Yeah, no, clearly. clearly. <laughs> but also, that's true. That For those of you who aren't in theater, having a job like Andrew's job in Hamilton that's like really long term is very, very rare. Like very it's a, rare. It's a unicorn. Yeah, it's yeah, very fortunate. How are you feeling facing coming back to the city and, and out of that sweet Hamilton gig? I'm actually like really, really excited. I'm excited for new adventures. Like I'm the kind of person who if I'm in something too long, I get really bored. And Hamilton's mm. amazing because, you know, you, it's it's one of those jobs that I can listen to it every night and hear new things. And I'm like, God, that's nice. so genius. It keeps opening itself up to me. And I'm like, in different ways, I go, God, this is really good. <laughs> Something that keep, I keep discovering new things in it. You know, to me, that means it's, it's absolutely borderline genius. It's like really, really special. Part of me actually coming home is I'm excited to start a new adventure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back out and auditioning because yeah. that's my favorite part of the job is actually auditioning. Yeah. I love to put work in. I was raised on a farm. Like I love to get up in the morning. I love to milk the cows. Not that I do that anymore at all because I'm just, you know, where are the cows on the 30th floor of this, in this apartment building? Can someone tell us that? Just tweet us. Where are the cows? Where have all the cows gone? What a vowel modulation. <laughs> where all the cowboys have gone? Do you remember oh, the stupid song from the 90s? See what I, I, I see? Tripping you, Tripping you up. Tripping you up. You got you to be up early to catch this guy. You got to be up early. I'm so tired. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to say, we were talking the other day outside of the podcast about like the challenges of being in a career in the theater and where you're kind of just 
some of your fate is up to the whim of other folks. Like, like I was in rehearsal yesterday uh, doing notes and got a text randomly that asking if I was in town in September for a festival for a play. You know what I mean? Like, that's how quickly something can happen. And so for both of us, we were talking about like the nice thing about this podcast, right, is that it's a way for us to make something that's ours, that's always going to be there, that is consistent, that is dependent only on our hard work and hustle, not someone else saying like, yep, you got the job or you don't, or you have this you know, great cushy job for a year and a half and then it's gone because we're closing the city. So anyway, I was just interested <laughs> to have a little more of that chat here on this podcast intro this morning. Yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have this job, but you know, of course it, it, the grass is always greener at this point. You go into a gig and you're excited about it. The first year is awesome. And then they're like, Hey, do you want to come back for a second year? Fortunately enough, you've been asked to come back for another year. And they're like, oh, we don't want to replace you because you're terrible. Wait, but what? that happens sometimes. <laughs> I mean, people just don't get asked back. But you get to that second year and you're like, oh, man, it looks really cool. And you're like, yeah, I'm saving some money. I'm going to you know, be in Hamilton for another year or whatever. And then you go, oh, but I've not been around my friends and my family for another right. year. Which, you know, time is a it's a thing that was created by human beings to like, you know. Uh-oh, here we go. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go, go way down there. You know, time is a human construct. And I believe that, you oh, know. Oh, God. Like, God, I was listening to this amazing podcast the other day, Bill Nye, the science guy, and he was talking about like oh, your, I love him. your genetic age versus your, uh, oh fuck, it's like when you think about your age, like as as in birthdays, like your human like age. Like a constant, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, So that kind of construct that we've created for ourselves and people actually age quicker and they look like they, they physically age quicker when you start thinking about, oh, I've had birthdays and I'm 40 and I'm 50 and I'm blah, blah, blah. And you start like Whoa. putting that on yourself and there's like a stress level built up. But if you don't even think about age in that, in that idea, that ideology, these people have like lived their life completely stress free. They've never been sick, and they actually die of like old age. Like one day, they just their heart stops. You know what I mean? It's like their genetic code tells them you're done. And it was the most amazing thing. I was like, oh my god, that's so interesting. So people out there, live your best stress free life. <laughs> Don't worry about the bullshit and stop counting birthdays because they mean nothing. I feel like I'm like on a quest. Well, I'm generally a stress-free person or mostly stress-free because I think you always have stress, but like I don't really yeah. clock stress too much. But actually just to wind back to the podcast topic, I'm having this interesting journey and it has a lot to do with the episode that we're going to have today. Like with the podcast, right? The idea is, oh, we'll make this thing. Uh, that like takes care of sort of like the underneath of our careers, right? So we always have something yeah. fun to do, all the things I already said. But like what we're finding, right, is when you're working and you're successful, like even this, this great podcast has a great brand and lots of opportunities. It's really hard to manage, you know, we're like finding out what it's like to try to corral three schedules of three really busy people plus our guests. We're trying to make content calendars on top of our other jobs. We're trying to, you know, do all of this other stuff. And I I think in this day and age, like the lure of being an entrepreneur as an artist is strong because it's easier than it's ever been. Yeah. But it's always every time I think like, ah, this is the smart thing to do. This is going to make it easier. <laughs> like it's totally not easier. And I don't know how to juggle all this. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to laud both of you ladies again. And I do this probably every episode, but you guys do a phenomenal job. I literally just turn on the microphone and I show up and you guys have already put everything in place and you're just fucking spectacular. This is a golf club because I love to play golf. We love you too. 
I don't know why. I'll come up with some reasons later. That's gross. I didn't. I just insulted you. You didn't even listen. Yes, I was doing it while you were talking over me. Today we're talking to Brian Patrick Murphy and Michael Littig, the co-founders of the Zuckerberg Institute, which is an incredible community for entrepreneurs to rise together. To phenomenal just human beings in general like i love these guys so much you know you, you've got brian who is this kind of a spitfire really positive dude who's a you know life coach and he really just brings people up and then you've got michael Lydic, who's this bodhisattva he, he lets it all come to him and it's this yeah. most amazing thing he lets it all just kind of wash over him and then takes it in and then you don't know what he's actually thinking sometimes like it's totally. this wonderful kind of a demeanor that he has and you'll find out, like, again, if you're on Patreon, you'll see his face a little bit, but you can kind of see that it all kind of washes over him. And then he ingests it, digests it, and then comes out with the, this beautiful kind of like languid thought process that's so brilliant and beautiful. And it like makes me so happy to talk to this guy because I'm interested in every single part of the conversation. And the unfair thing about it all is that they are also both have started million dollar businesses and sold businesses yes. and now are yes. co-founding this business with Randy Zuckerberg, who's Mark Zuckerberg's yes. sister. But more importantly, Randy Zuckerberg, who invented Facebook Live, who is the CEO and founder of Zuckerberg Media, right? To be able to talk to them on our podcast and help get their wisdom, their strategies, their advice, and also like their insecurities and their worries uh, right along with us out on this podcast for everybody is, uh, it was a really good conversation. I feel like I've listened to it a couple of times since. <laughs> Also, Michael's on an episode of The Startup Story that just came out. So definitely check that out. He's actually telling like his entire uh, narrative and journey as an artist and entrepreneur. So it's super cool. You should listen to it. I'm into that. I'm into these guys. Like the, these dudes are just like, they're good folks. And I, we, I you know I've known them for a bunch of years, like kind of independently of one another. And then now that uh, it's just, it's funny how the universe kind of like paves a path for you to find oh. the people that you're supposed to be around. Like for us, it was college. It was this thing. And we, you know, didn't like each other at first and then all of a sudden you're like oh god you guys are actually you're compatible and you're meant to be together like in some form or fashion forever. you're supposed to be yeah you're supposed to like you know kind of parallel each other throughout this uh, yeah. this existence and you push each other in a certain way and that's kind of what this this dynamic duo is is that there are two completely different personalities but they blend so brilliantly with one another and they're all so I'm saying, smart. It's brilliant. All I'm saying is I want to love someone the way that Brian Patrick Murphy and Michael Littig love each other someday. It's so special. <laughs> it's such a special relationship. I, I can't really say any more about it. Like, let's get to the episode because these guys are just genius. Awesome. This is our episode of Take Me to Coffee with Brian Patrick Murphy and Michael Littig, the co-founders of uh, the Zuckerberg Institute. And don't forget to head over to Twitter, follow TM2C Podcast to leave us a video ask for Brian and Michael. We'll get it answered for you even after the episode. Here we go. How well do the three of you actually know each other? Because I don't think I know a huge amount about how well you three know each other. Andrew Call? Oh, we know Andrew Call quite well. Oh. God, that sounds ominous. Tell me everything. <laughs> no, please. Yeah, now, now I want to know. Now I'm interested. My first memory of Andrew Call is, this is another longer story, but I've been a reader for about 10 years at Telsey, and he came in and auditioned for Kinky Boots and kind of nailed it out of the park singing Charlie's song. And that's my first memory of Andrew Call. Aww. 
Oh my God. I'm blushing. I'm actually blushing. You can't really see because I'm old, but I'm actually blushing. You're not as old as me. Brian's, I imagine, is a much, much more um, you know, explicit, explicit memory. Romantic. No, we I think we I think we actually like and not to like, you know, tease anything or to ruin anybody's like image of me and and, and B Murph. I'm gonna say it was more of a bromance. It started as just a love uh, in a park, shirtless, throwing balls around. Do you want to explain? This is all true, and that sounds so dirty. No, I, I, the, <laughs> the first time Andrew and I first met was, God, probably close to 10 years ago playing softball in Central yeah. Park. And then, and then, of course, we started seeing each other around all over the place. And then, of course, I'm sure we saw each other in a million auditions and in a million shows, and mm-hmm. um, most of which he was booking and I wasn't. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but he was always really fr- – we were always very friendly with each other. Of course, of course. No, no, no. Yeah, I love find, when you find another Southerner, mm-hmm. you, you really come from a place and you find yourself in New York City. It is, uh, it's, it's difficult at first to find like a community, mm-hmm. but we found it. And now 10 years later, I, I look at you every five years and I see you and I go, God, he's still so handsome. How does he do that? <laughs> I was thinking this morning about how like you and Michael remind me a little bit of Andrew and I and your friendship and your, mm-hmm. your the ways you compliment each other. Which is a terrifying thing to well, think about. How did you two honestly, meet? How but- did you and, and Mr. Call meet? Go flip the script. Okay, okay flip the script. <laughs> We're going to get interviewed now. Okay. When I was 17, my grandparents lived in Northwest Arkansas and they did theater. I grew up with them doing theater. I don't know what show they were doing, Andrew. I don't know if you remember, but they were doing a show and you were there. And my grandma had been introduced to you and was like, oh, you should meet this guy. He's going to the same college as you. Do you remember that? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's amazing. Right there encapsulates (laughs) our friendship. (laughs) But yeah, we met there and then we went to college and I hated him so much for so long. Yeah. You didn't like me either. Well, I mean, I didn't. I didn't care. And really, I didn't. I didn't know. I just didn't know. I don't mean to be mean about it. I was like, I. I don't know who you are. I. I just don't know. That also encapsulates our relationship. Right, and then a couple of years later, we eventually uh, uh, met on common ground. Uh, working on a show together and we were like you know what you're not so bad it's true and i was like no you're not so bad either so can we be friends as opposed to mortal enemies do you guys have a similar story or do you have like do you act like normal human beings no no my, my image of brian my first image of brian was him walking in a room with short shorts shirtless and me going i have something to learn from this man and and that's where it all started <laughs> i mean that that kind of explains brian to see really i'm surprised he didn't have some chewed gum hanging <laughs> I'm not going to explain that to anybody oh, no. on this podcast. Wait, is this recording right now? Is this happening? Yes. <laughs> Wait, this is like live. Yeah, this is the kind of podcast this is. You are a professional. Oh my God. There, uh, Andrew, wait, before we go on, there is video footage of this, of him doing a squat. Emily, Emily, can we find this no, and then just cannot. blur out the parts? Okay, good. All right. Okay. We, we'll, we'll keep it professional. That was all right. I knew it was going to turn into bathroom humor at some point. Our feeling is people will take your advice if you seem more human to them, right? True, true, very. I mean, this is a podcast about mentorship. So, well, let me tell you what, I'm as human as they come because if you want to sit around and talk about mistakes all day long, come have a conversation with me because I can tell you about all the mistakes. <laughs> Do we have to give names? <laughs> Do we have to give names? <laughs> no. Okay, I was I was literally reading through this. Uh, we get a little bit of a brief bio kind of a thing on here. And I was like super interested in both of what you guys have going on. Uh, I don't know if it's time for the segue, but I'm going to segue because I really want to ask you guys about what you guys have been doing in your spare time. I know that Michael comes from, uh, mm-hmm. well, you guys both come from Mark Fisher Fitness. Very much so, yeah. Um, is that what started your relationship kind of uh, how you guys met each other or... I started working out at MFF like 2013 
And at this time, I was traveling a lot. And I had just come back from living in Africa. And it, it was a pretty shattering experience. And I knew Brian was a life coach. And I actually hired Brian as my life coach for a month. I was like, can we talk about belief systems and values? And I need some help. And that started our bromance from there. About a year later, Mark just emailed me out of the blue and was like, if you ever want a job here, it is yours. And I was like, huh, that feels true to me. I don't know why. And unbeknownst to Mark, I applied for a PhD to be like, how can I get back to New York? Uh, I ended up getting that offer. And then over Chile, Brian convinced me not to take it and to join Mark Fisher Fitness. And therein lies the, the true story of our of our meeting. I mean, over Chile is the crux of every relationship <laughs> that Brian's ever had. <laughs> no, that is so real. I was I was the one put in charge. This is, was off in my role. I was one of the co-founders of Mark Fisher Fitness, and I still love those guys. I'm so grateful for them and I had a great time there. But that was really my role was to convince people to do things. And um, if you boil it all down, that's like my singular skill set. And so it was, Jesus. yeah, I know, right? It sounds it sounds Manson esque, but maybe also Jesus esque as well. Oh, is it ever? And so it was like <laughs> this seems like a great idea to talk Michael Littig out of getting a PhD and into working at Mark Fisher Fitness, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely. able to happen. Which, by the way, I still believe was the right thing to do. I agree. I 100 percent agree. Michael, will you do something? Will you uh, leave uh, Brian Patrick Murphy a Yelp review on his life coach surfaces right here? Uh, <laughs> Yelp didn't exist that long ago. No, I know, that's why we have to do it now. Have to get now. There are so many things that we could tell about Brian Patrick Murphy, how many lives he's changed. but For the better or for the it's worse. True. I want to see the stats on that. <laughs> it's all for the better. I'm just joking. It's all for the better. He's a life coach. Come oh. on. Oh, you guys. So I'm getting multiple text messages from right now. My wife, Jillian, knows both of you personally. And I told her that I was interviewing you guys this morning. And I keep getting the ding, Jillian. ding, ding. She's like, tell him hi. Tell him hi. 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 Tell him hi. I don't know hi, how much caffeine Jillian. she's had. Not as much as me. She hasn't had as much as me. Uh, oh, speaking of coffees, this is a podcast called Take Me to Coffee, of which we're trying to get sponsorship from multiple coffee places, uh, multiple roasters. <laughs> what are you drinking right now? <laughs> Me? Well, first of all, I'm a very highly caffeinated person. And I started with a Stormio in our Nespresso machine, which is a gift to me. But at the same time I was making that, I was also uh, brewing an actual pot in my very expensive Mr. Coffee coffee maker of, um, I don't know, whatever the cheapest thing at the store was. So I have a really good cup of coffee and then I have a bunch of crappy coffee after that because I don't care. But the most important thing is I'm drinking it out of a coffee mug that says, too blessed to be stressed. Oh my. And then what, a, what the what fuck an is appropriate Stormio? Use of the word T-O-O. It's, uh, Stormio is like, it's like the style of coffee. It's like the, not the strongest, but like the second to strongest. Yeah, different different oh. levels from Nespresso that they give us as far mm. as roasting and caffeine and dark to light mm -hmm. things. I feel like I would uh, yes. understand what a Stormio was better if Nespresso, you wanted to give us a ring and yeah. sponsor this podcast. Come on over. Take me to Nespresso. It's so good. It's so expensive. Uh. Listen, I mean, again, they clearly have the money because a lot of people are using Nespresso. What about you, Michael? You know, I want to let you know that uh, I purposely just got a coffee mug because I wanted to be on brand. I just have water in it. Uh, so, <laughs> But you know water and coffee makes waffee, right? 
<laughs> That's true. So you're halfway oh, there. No. That's my nickname. That's my nickname. That's why we started the podcast. What are you guys drinking? Uh, I am also highly caffeinated in the mornings. Shut up, Andrew. So uh, I actually get coffee from Fairway, like their Fairway brand, because I can get a pound and it's not $1,000. Um, so I have Siloesi today. Siloesi. Is this uh, like an African blend or? A bean. It I is, right? So. Isn't Siloesi? Right. It's oh, from no. India. Oh, no. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, listen, again, I'm showing how I don't know anything about geography, especially about coffee. Listen, what do people from Arkansas and Mississippi know about coffee? <laughs> Not much. No, that it comes from a, a large silverish container at my at my church function. Yes. That's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet you do know something about our next question, though, and I think it's coming up. Order up. What was your biggest failure that ended up being your biggest blessing? I actually know who that is. I know who that is. Nancy Demers. She's from Queens, New York. Big shout out to Nancy. Brian, why don't you go ahead and answer? What was your biggest failure that turned into your biggest blessing? Okay. One personal, one professional. Personally, I think I could point to a specific relationship that that failed right and and no harm like it's all good but like a a long-term three-year relationship that didn't work out and at the time that feels so big like such a big deal and now i'm like oh my god that turned into be the biggest blessing because both parties have moved on and have families and are happy that's probably more important than anything even business-wise very quickly business-wise obviously andrew and i know each other from the theater business. Even though I had a really, really great career, I can turn to so many different jobs. And I remember I used to have a lot of auditions for movies and TV shows. And I was always like, felt like I was, if you could see my fingers, like a millimeter away from booking like a really big TV show. And I was doing really, really great or a big movie in my kind of mid to late twenties. I'm now so glad I'm 40 years old. I'm so glad that didn't happen because I to the people that knew me then would not have handled that well. I would have been in a ditch somewhere and I'm not even trying to be funny about that. Like I was not stable or mature enough probably to handle that kind of success at the time. And um, probably even on a a theater scale, if it would have been even more than it it was. So I'm I'm grateful for that now that those failures in my acting career um, have turned into a huge blessing. Yeah. Did it take you a long time to find that peace with it or that benefit to it? Yeah. I was at age 33. I think I learned it at age 33. Like right Mm -hmm. about the time I met my wife and um, I I went five years and didn't touch a sip of booze. And I used to like drink a lot, just love to go out and have a great time. Not there's anything wrong with that. It was awesome. But like all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I got to pull my stuff together. It was right when we opened Mark Fisher Fitness and right when I met my wife, it just all all kind of started to, to really turn around. I mean, I was always a nice person and worked hard and all those things. But um, yeah, that's when it all started to turn around. I was like, oh man, this is what it is. But being able to reconcile all those things in your Jesus year, that's 33 for everybody who doesn't know, uh, putting that's all right. those things together. Did you find the motivation in, in like the, uh, the structure of not drinking? Did you find, what did you, where did you find the structure? Oh my God. Well, number one, I think so much of my life as an artist was, I felt like I had to be everywhere. I was like this feeling of FOMO, right? Like I've got to be at every party, like, I really love people. I mean, I was like the life of the party and always so much fun. And I, so I felt like I had to keep doing that. And then I felt like I had permission finally to, it gave me an excuse to be like, I don't have to go out because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be drinking anything anyway. Not, and again, let me say this again, not that I have a problem with anybody that was or anybody that does, that's all good. But for me, I was ready to settle down a little bit and it gave me structure where I was, I'm actually a morning person where I loved waking up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and drinking a pot of coffee and reading a book. And then that started perpetuating this like wheel that started to speed up and gain momentum, made me feel better. And I was like, oh my God, I'm good at something. And at the time I was teaching 
teaching college as well. And I was like, oh my God, I'm really good at this. And I felt really validated and really seen and that people were really appreciating me. What about you, Michael? Yeah, Michael, what about you, man? Yes, please, what about you? Because I am talking way too much. And now Michael's going to give the most brilliant answer and it's going to sound so zen. No. Thank you, Thank you Ms. Presto. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was 27, I started an NGO in a refugee camp and I failed. Me too. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I was drinking. I was going crazy. And now I'm on the sabbatical. Like Michael's on the sabbatical. Please go. (laughs) Um, All to say is uh, I failed every single day. And I really mean that. Like uh, I look back at that and I think, oh, you know, it was a success in some ways, but in other ways, like I lost all the money that I thought I was going to get. I was promised. And I went there on my savings and I failed on that. And I failed on how many people I could help and brought on this other partner and she got very upset with me and actually wrote a whole book about that, which is a whole nother story. Um, so I failed in that and I failed not being able to help all the people that would sit with me every single day and say, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Now, and I think Jess would understand this is like, you know, you start a nonprofit and, you know, I had all these major big partners and what happened was it was in the middle of a, a crisis and this crisis, you know, really brought terrorism to the place I was working. There, were, there was a lot of roadside bombs. Two people that were working alongside me were kidnapped by the Al Shabaab, and so all the work that I did literally got shattered, and I had to stop in some ways. And and so I picked that work up about two or three years later. And even now, like you know, my nonprofit's still going, and I'm still mentoring those refugees, but it's not as big as I had hoped. And it's not like, you know, I wanted it to be like this huge, massive nonprofit. And now it's just simple, the people that I can help. But the reason it's a blessing is that I think about it every single day. And those the lessons I learned there, that became such a formation for my life and for the work I'm doing now, my perspective. Yeah, it was like the biggest blessing. And yet the biggest failure. I mean, it all sounds Casual. like blessings to me. I mean, yeah. it sounds like blessings. For somebody who is as yeah. motivated as you guys both are, who wants more from life, I mean, now you guys are at the at the Zuckerberg Institute, and I'd like to like maybe transition a little bit and talk about that. Can you explain a little bit about what the uh, what the Institute does? Absolutely. I'll, I'll start with uh, what the, the Institute does is, you know, if we go off of that notion of community, it's builds community around entrepreneurship. And so that goes in many different avenues. It goes through a small mentorship programs to a mentorship platform to in-person events to online events to uh, traveling to India to work with the Dalai Lama. So it really varies, but I think the three values that it holds and it really lifts up the whole institute is uh, accountability. So accountability to really hold you accountable to the things you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do them and building the life of your dreams, the business of your dreams, belonging, that you feel like you belong in this community, you belong at this table. And then, of course, uh, authenticity, finding who you are and how that affects the business that you do. And the one thing that we constantly learn in entrepreneurship is that people want to invest in people, not ideas. There are plenty of ideas that are really profitable, but unless you have the person behind it and you believe in the person, you value that person, people don't want to invest in it. So really, this is a place where you can come feel seen, be heard, and ultimately be lifted up so you can take those risks elsewhere in in the world. And now Brian could tell the story of how it all happened. I hate following Michael. No. It's the the hardest thing on earth. (laughs) Like, I'm like... (laughs) 
So once I was sitting in the mountains of Mongolia drinking wolf blood when it was negative 35. And by the way, I didn't have any <laughs> shoes on because I was about to climb a mountain as I was reciting poetry and meditating. And you're like, and it's real. As I reached the peak of transcendence, the llama appeared. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> no. so brilliant. Yeah, but it's easy to make fun of him because you, you, the truth is you only make fun of people that you actually love that's yeah, what I oh, mean. like if you're an actual yeah. decent human being you know what i mean like andrew and i could, could see each other i haven't seen him in person in probably a year yeah. at least but if we ran into each other we would catch up and then we would probably say something to make fun of each other you only really make fun of people that you love and obviously michael has my utmost respect and i i love him so much it, it's like painful how much i love him and um, and how much i'm grateful for him and it's only because <laughs> he is so genuine and authentic and has done all these unbelievable things that I can make fun of him. So, but really the reason the Zuckerberg Institute started was because Michael and I, while we were working at MFF also started a company called congregation coaching, where we started to really see a lot of people that were like, Michael, I'll speak for him here. I know he's okay with it, that he had gone through some really tough times in his life. He had ended a relationship in a, in a rough way. And his mother had just died and his grandmother had just died. And there was a lot of, things going on in his life, to say the least. And um, I have so much respect for him. He turned to me and he said, I've traveled the world studying ritual and practice, and I need to bring a personal practice back into my life and some belief systems back into my life. Will you join together? And so literally the next day, Michael and I just committed to each other that we would show up to each other four days a week. And it started with a commitment to working out, to exercise four days a week. And then we created all these really fun and valuable rituals around it. So we would get together and before we would work out, we'd wear the same clothes, the exact same outfit while we worked out together. We would drink creatine, but it was, um, but it was red. And so we'd pretend that we were drinking blood. We would like cheers each other. And then we would set our intention for the workout. And then after we were done with our workout, we would go down to one knee and we would talk about things that we were grateful for. And that's literally the foundation of what started Congregation Coaching, where we started working with a lot of artists, helping them transition and helping them take their careers further. And then Randy Zuckerberg, she saw the work we were doing and, and basically said, we should start a business together because I believe that we can change the world one entrepreneur at a time, which is the ultimate mission of the Zuckerberg Institute. I mean... No one was reading off a script. This is how Michael and Brian, both of you, I think Brian plays down how eloquent he is. It's just in a different way than Michael. It's part of his brand. He's like, I'm not smart. I And then he's like, bam. And you're like, you sneaky pink. <laughs> Who is the most unusual or surprising person that has taught you a profound life? Michael, go. Not to put you on the spot. There are so many people that I could name. So I'm just going to go to the first one that just pops in my mind. And Brian knows, I always mention my teacher, Guru Kaul in India, because he's someone who I've never met a true master teacher in the way he is a master teacher. I, I always tell this story and I, well, it's just to kind of give you some background on him. I, I, I'm part of a theater company called Theater Me Too. We have been running a program in South India since 2010. And Guru Kaul has been a, a master teacher um, with us for a long time. He is a, a guru of a martial art tradition. His father was a guru. His father's father was a guru. And this is the oldest martial art in the world. And there are two kind of main things he taught me. One was the power of a personal practice and how that can allow your mind to start to calm down a little bit. But the second thing is, is the power of being a teacher, teaching without language, teaching by presence, teaching by action, 
and simply leading from that kind of stance. I mean, he's one of my greatest mentors because he's a man of few words, but when he speaks, he speaks so eloquently about um, his purpose and what he does. So I would say he is perhaps the first person, there's many, but that pops in my mind. From your understanding, well, and maybe there might be a difference between East and West on this, but like what qualifies someone in that position to be able to like carry the the label of guru? I don't think I know. Yeah, it's actually what I like about people don't know this about India very much is that it's a very codified system, that it's a system of a senior student has to uh, be under the master for over 10 years. They have to go through a series of tests. And then they have to even live with the master for a long time. And that's part of the training. And then only then when the master feels like they are ready, Mm. they will get a guru. So there's a picture right now. You're not able to see it, but it's to my right is a friend of mine named John, who is guru call senior student. He just became a guru about three years ago. Now, that doesn't mean he's like a guru as like we think in the world, right? He's like a master teacher, right? He's someone who has a responsibility, who shows up for his students, who has a spiritual calling and an actual practice. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. What about you, Brian? I love this one. Like Michael, there's a lot of answers here, but I'm going to go with my dear, dear friend, Jerry Mitchell. Jerry and I are really close and have been close now for more than a decade. And when I first started, I'd known Jerry before we officially worked together on Legally Blonde, the musical But there was something about he was the first director in an audition that really was able to connect to me in a way to like challenge me to be myself, which was something that at age 28 or 29 that I couldn't fully accept even after studying acting for a decade. Like I never really got it. And when one day he's like, who is this character? Who are you playing? And there's like all these producers in the room and there's like 12 people behind a desk and I'm like nervous. And he like gets up behind the desk. He's a huge person. For those of you who don't know, Jerry's like six foot four. And I'm not tiny. I mean, I'm six one. And he walks up to me, he's towering over me, and I'm at a final audition. And he's like, Who are you? And I was like, My name is Brendan. You know, I'm like, I tell him the character's name, I've like done all my research on this character, all these things. And he's like, No, who are you? And I'm like trying to answer the the question that I think is right. I'm trying to give the right answer. And finally he stares me directly in the eyes, and I'm making eye contact right here. He goes, No. You're Brian Patrick Murphy. Now do it. And I was like, oh. And then I did the scene and the entire table started laughing. And I walked out of the room and the producer came up to me and goes, you got the job. And I was 29. I think I was 29 years old at the time. I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, I've never been able to understand that or to accept that. And that was the beginning of what I would say was a life-changing relationship of knowing Jerry, just being able to surround myself with somebody like him who leads by example. Mm -hmm. You know, just this is so full out. I know it's his like cliche statement that he posts everywhere, but he truly is. And I have so much admiration for him for that. You can see the effects of that moment anytime you're around Brian Patrick Murphy. Truly, I mean it. It's like one of my favorite things about you is that you are unflinchingly Brian Patrick Murphy, and that serves you in business. It serves you in your personal relationships, I, or at least from my perspective. I love people like that. Thank you. Yeah. And honestly, like that's, I think when you're young, that's not an easy thing to accept, right? And then as some finally somebody that you respect says, you're enough, you're awesome, you get to be you. And then you, when you finally accept that, you go, oh my God, life is so much easier. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Andrew and, and Jessica? As we, uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of like uh, thinking about that as well. It's like, I, I go, what was the, what was the moment where I was like, wake up? Yeah. 
you're it. You're interesting. You you don't have to try to be something else. And especially as actors, we we try to be or emulate something else. And when yeah. you found, thank God, I found this uh, as a young man, and I still struggle for it sometimes, even as a an almost forty year old. It's like finding the you in this character is all it is. That's all it is. Right. You know, we go to acting class to act normal. And we tr- we tried so desperately not to act normal. We try to act like something we're not. And innately, that's what it is, is because you're the only truth that you know. You're the only person that you really know. But then that informs the work, you know? I mean, like I said, you know, going in and, and into this Kinky Boots audition of which you were a reader, Michael, is like one of those things where I go, I didn't get the job because I was just, I wasn't Charlie enough, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with that because I go into a room and I'm like, I'm just me. I can't put on uh, something that I'm absolutely not, just innately in my personality. And it's like, okay, listen, man, if you don't like the sweater I'm selling, that's okay with me. You know, I'm, I'm good with that because I gave the best me I could, you know? If I could like give a wish for the whole world right now, it would be that like people who aren't in the arts could download that lesson because I just think it has so much to do with anything you choose to do, any goal you set out to accomplish, or just like being in pursuit of living a, you know, happy, fulfilled life. The sooner you can kind of figure that part of it out, or at least start to, because it's never done. I don't know. I just think that artists are really lucky to get to have to learn that lesson early. Yeah. And have those conversations. I just find that talking about it, figuring out what it is that I don't have the vernacular for is super insightful. It's one of those things where if you actually say it out loud, it starts to manifest and become more in your mind and in your heart. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I think what's interesting about acting practice is that notice Brian said it took him 10 years and he was acting every day trying to be himself. And it's why you keep mentioning like why people need a life mm. coach, why need, people need some type of outside accountability is because that stuff does not come unless you're doing it in reaction or in reflection with someone. It's not something where I can just turn around. I mean, there are stories of people going in for 50 years and meditating and being by themselves. But even then, they're connecting Mm -hmm. with some other image of themselves or in conversation with something. So I just think it takes time. And it's like, you're always finding who you are, right? It's amazing. Mm. Well said. Well said. I think we have another question on that. How have you been able to promote a sense of community among entrepreneurs? Oh, this is a good question. And I cannot place that voice. It's really good. Okay. Um, Brian, why don't you go? Because I went first last time. Yeah. Well, to me, first of all, the, the the logistical side is to give people a common place where they can be seen together, seen and heard together, quite literally creating a system where is it, is it video conferencing? Is it a Slack channel? Is it a private Facebook group? Or is it an in-person event, right? So that's like the logistical side. The second side is what I think that we're getting to in this entire conversation genuine communication, genuine connection is to give people a place where we can say, bring all these entrepreneurs together. And is if you're willing to show up fully, because we all have similar struggles, whether we're million or billionaires, or whether we're at the beginning of our journey, right? It doesn't matter if you're on Broadway or striving to be on Broadway. I promise you, you're with similar struggles of what it is to be an artist, of trying to figure out what it is to be human ultimately. And I think that's what we can offer as a community is to get on the calls. And if I can promise you, if you're on a, on a call or in any kind of thing being led by Michael and I, that we're going to sit there and tell you, we're doing this alongside you. We're not telling you to do things that we're not doing ourselves. We're not asking you to go through a process that we're not willing to do ourselves. And we ask everyone on this call 
to be a part of that. So that's what it takes to build community is genuine leadership of people that are willing to do it alongside you and a group of people that are willing up willing to be there with you to be genuine and put themselves on the line as well. Why do you think, and I, I love this and I can't wait to hear your answer, but let me back up and say, you guys have a thousand hard skills, right? You've both built really big businesses. You've started world-changing organizations. You've excelled at being an artist. And like the questions today were around, how do you build community or tell me a story about your biggest failure? Why do you think people are looking for those answers when they get that opportunity to ask an expert for their advice? My my thing is that I think people want to know that their struggles are okay, because I'm here to tell you, it's going to be mm. really hard, no matter what business you're trying to grow or no matter what career. It's easy to look at all the amazing stuff that um, that Jessica Ryan has done and go, look at her. She's awesome. She's like built all these companies to look at Andrew Call's uh, resume. I know it. I can name all the shows that he's been in. Both of those things are true about you both. But what people don't see is all the times you failed or all the nights you went to bed crying or all the mornings you woke up so anxious and frustrated because of how hard that it was. And I know you both well enough to know. I know that's true. I know that you both spent nights and mornings crying and frustrated and terrified. And I know that I still do that, too. And I know that Michael called me yesterday morning again this morning and said, I'm really anxious right now. We have a lot going on. And thank God that Michael has a partner in me that he can say that to. Because I think people are calling and asking these things because they want to know that when they wake up in the morning crying and frustrated and how am I going to make my next sale, that they want somebody that's genuine to say, I have felt that and I still feel that and I'm going to feel it tomorrow. But I'm going to put myself on the line today. And that's all I can promise you. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go after that because Brian says it so beautifully. And I would just add two things. One, people, wherever you are in life, they're looking to commiserate in their struggle. If you look at this other side of that is really compassion, right? Compassion is to struggle with and people are looking to identify their struggles and then allow that to be another mark to move forward. And then two is that I look at all the mentors I've had in my life and my current mentors or current leaders is that when I see someone that's really, quote unquote, as Brian was saying, successful, when they reveal their own struggles and what they're really struggling with, it makes me feel like, oh, I can also be them. Mm. And so we as human beings in community are looking for models to strive towards. Like part of being a human is like you need to have something that you're aiming towards always. That's part of it's called survival, right? People are looking to go, oh, that's attainable because if I understand where you are struggling or what you're struggling with, I can also get to that place too. So I've now had the privilege to meet some of the most powerful people in the world and they all have struggles and they're all human. And it's like this great mythology, which is like, no, they're perfect. And you know they have all the money, so it's all taken care mm-hmm. of. And guess what? It mm-hmm. only amplifies that which is inside of you. So I think it's been a really big surprise in putting this podcast together uh, that those are the kind of questions we're getting because originally my thought was... In America in particular, right? There's such a culture for consumption of things that tell you how to do something, right? Like expert secrets and rich dad, poor dad and the fucking purple rhinoceros or whatever, which is like, I didn't know those existed till like a year and a half ago. And then I was like, whoa, people are really into spending money on this stuff. So I kind of, I was like, oh, well, we'll make a podcast like that kind of taps into that. But it's been such a beautiful and wonderful surprise to find that everyone actually so far wants what you guys are talking about, you know, to connect connect with someone through a story or through a a struggle with. It's been a nice surprise. 
Yeah, I mean, I could talk about that. I know Emily's saying I saw I saw her finger go up. I know what that means. <laughs> Not in our podcast, you don't. Uh oh. <laughs> hey Brian, I'm a huge fan. Followed your modeling career since the 2000s. Saw you in Dog Sees God. Loved you and giddy on up with Lord Bell Bundy. What was your favorite thing about working with her? Oh. Is that Michael Liddick? <laughs> <That's> a shocker. <laughs> no, wait. I feel like I'm being trolled right now. Am I being trolled? We don't know. We just get the questions and deliver them to you. Wait. I, I, everybody's no. messing with me right now. Just tell me the truth. <laughs> Number one, a big fan of my modeling career. That's hilarious. Did you have a modeling career? Yes. <gasps> and, and, <laughs> I can you just give us? Can you just give us the hits, please? So before the runway, before what is this it? call is over, I'm going to go to my bedroom. My wife found these old pictures of me. Andrew remembers me when I had hair down on my shoulders, lush, beautiful um, mane. That's yeah. hilarious. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that. Can you see my hairline? That doesn't exist anymore. We're all getting there, buddy. We're all so there. That was, that's hilarious. Well, thank you. I'm glad someone was a was a fan of that career. Um, uh, Doxy's God. Yeah, I did an off-Broadway play called Doxy's God, where I went in as a last-minute replacement. I re- speaking of models, I replaced a guy. If you want to see a beautiful human, look up Ian Summerholder. For those of you that don't know him, oh my you. god, I, I don't know who that so is. Handsome. I don't know He's who that more is. handsome than you, Andrew, and you know that's hard to find. He's on my favorite bad show, Gossip Girl. So I'll never forget. So I, I learned that it's a really kind of a great story. But I, I learned the show in one day, and I went on and I replaced him in the off-Broadway show Doxy's God, which is a great play, by the way, and. Um, I go on stage and Ian is just so gorgeous. And I remember walking on stage because there's a shirtless scene that had to be shirtless. And I just was thinking to myself, (laughs) what I am disappointing every person in this audience right now that they're not seeing Ian Summerholder. Um, But um, so that was great. Thank you. To this day, I would say that was the best acting I've ever done in my life was that show. And then, uh, yes, in fact, I was in a country music video called Gideon Up with Laura starring Laura (laughs) Bell Bundy, which has, tens of millions of views that is not a joke look it up link it to this podcast no um but laura's the best oh my god i love laura bell she's a new mom she has a one-month-old baby and she's just uh she also lives by the the slogan of full out she's just so full out and being on set with her all day where she had to do the same dance like thousands of times because there was choreography was was inspiring to watch because She's also somebody that wouldn't ask other people to do things that she's not willing to do herself. So she is full out. I have, she has my utmost respect. Well, Brian, I want to reveal that that voice was me. I was the one that asked you that question. (laughs) (laughs) My hope is that people continue to know how amazing Brian Patrick Murphy is. And people don't, not a lot of people know about dog sees God and he's doing something he does very often, which is taking off his pants. I do that to troll Brian, but I do it because there are so many facets of Brian and he actually has met a lot of people. He doesn't tell those stories a lot because he's very humble. So. Well, I am. I'm not trying to compliment you and I'll deny I ever did this if you throw it back at me. But I think what you're doing at the Zuckerberg Institute is amazing. I guess maybe back on my original point about like not just trying to sell a hard skill. The thing that you guys talk about so often, right, that like doing all of this hard work and the mornings of crying and the stress is not worth it if you're not around and you're not taken care of. And what you guys do is really beautifully is combine 
access to like really smart folks and tools and tips to be able to help yourself stay healthy and all of the things that you guys do, which, you know, I just think that it's very smart and not something that profit obsessed culture, you know, is being addressed very well. Yeah, it's like being honest. Play, I know Brian's going to talk about this is like playing the long game, which is like, mm-hmm. this takes time, like building a business is two, three, four five years of like really seeing some potential and most people give up before the five-year mark that's why most businesses fail and so can we through support try to retroact like try to like make that not happen so keep going brian no i totally agree and i think what you bring up first of all thank you for the compliment and i'm I'm working on accepting compliments so thank you that means a lot to me that it is you know part of the the challenge of running a business like this which is a mentorship program coaching organization, whatever you want to call it, is trying to find the best way to ride the line of all soft skills versus all hard skills. Like how do you do both, right? I I really, and I think I hear you say that, I think we're doing a good job of that so far is to say, for the people that just like want to know like how to how to evaluate your business, right? Well, give me a formula to evaluate your business. Like, yes, we have that. We can give you that. We can spend an hour. And I think that is so important. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if you have that. I promise everybody listening to this, you can have that and completely fail if you don't have a personal practice. And the best way to hold yourself to that personal practice is to have a a supportive community to hold you accountable to that. So they go hand in hand. To me, it's not one without the other. It's, it's, I'm a very driven person. And if I didn't have Michael, I wouldn't accomplish 10% of what I can accomplish just by knowing that he's going to have a call with me all day, every day. And we're going to talk through the things that we're doing. I have to have them both. I have to have a list of things to do and then somebody to reflect them back to and also somebody to go, okay, by the way, I did this thing, but I'm really freaking frustrated by it. And he can go, yep, that makes sense. You're frustrated. And sometimes it lasts two seconds. And sometimes we have to talk about it for five minutes, but then we move on and it's okay versus it shutting me down completely. So they, they have to go together. And I, that's something I'm really proud of what we're doing. And I'm going to throw one more thought onto this is I believe what Michael said about these genuine long-term relationships. That's what my I'm more interested in. Obviously with the name Randy Zuckerberg, with all that that comes with, it's part of this uh, organization we could grow this business so much faster than we're doing it. We could put it out to the entire universe and have 10,000 people sign up for us immediately and be like, yes, let's count our money. And we had a great year. Or we could say, we're going to find one person at a time, one person that we're going to make a genuine connection with. And we're going to change that person's life. And if we don't, we're damn it. You know what we're at least going to do is be genuine to them and give them absolutely everything that we got. And to me, that's how I want to grow a business. I don't want to just sit and count my dollars. I think that'll come later if on the front end, I make genuine connections with people and commit to actually helping them. And that's the kind of business I want to grow. And I think that speaks to your guys' personalities as well. You are people who are, uh, you know, it is it is the analogy, you are the oak. You know what I mean? You plant deep roots and you believe in that structure and you believe in accountability, but genuine accountability. And I think that's what's so special about you guys, especially in your friendships, you know, like even to me, like we don't see each other all that often, but when I do see you guys, it's like we never left. We pick up where we left off. And if you want to foster that kind of a community, that's why we get all those questions because people are looking for accountability. They're looking for that validation. They're looking for genuine, uh, especially in today's tech uh, world where you can disappear. This is a place where you can actually have an idea and you can have that idea fostered and be exactly who you are. And I think that is just, uh, it's really special. Yeah, Andrew, thank you so much for saying that. And I could say one of the things that we're, 
constantly attempting to do is like get a megaphone like dear artists this is for you too right is that like because what it comes down to is autonomy it comes down to having agency it comes down to saying i want to go on the road less traveled i want to go into a state of the unknown and guess what artists do that I mean, Andrew, you're about to face that, you know, you're going to leave Hamilton one day and then you're going to be on another Mm. state of the unknown. And so who is the community you're surrounding yourself with beyond your Hamilton cast, which will start to dissipate, right? Is like, say, who are my core oaks? Who are the people that hold my values that reflect them back at me and remind me that, yes, you're meant to be doing what you're doing. Keep going, keep going, keep going. If people at home are listening and they want to be a part of the Zuckerberg Institute and become a part of this incredible group of oaks, what do they do? Oh, I love that. Oaks, you can follow us at Zuckerberg Institute. That's on Instagram. Uh, we have our mentorship platform, which is free for the first month. It's only 10 bucks a month. And on that, you can get on coaching calls once a week. There are tons of video courses, tons of audio courses, opportunities to connect with other entrepreneurs, ask questions. That's um, if you go to ZuckerbergInstitute.com, you can find it there. Um, and then most importantly, and Brian and I say this all the time, email us, like schedule a call with us, even if you just need 15 minutes to talk something out and see how we can support you and serve you and help you. That's our number one value is say, how can we be of support? How can we be of service? And you can find that link also on ZuckerbergInstitute.com. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Absolutely. I think that's what's genius about you guys is you are so approachable. There's so much like familiarity because you do have faults. And it's it's so genius. And I sit here and I'm just kind of mesmerized. I haven't said anything in the last like 20 minutes because I'm like, mm-hmm. I love you, dude. It's like I'm so <laughs> enamored with everything that you're saying because it's like, oh my God, this is what people need. This is oh. this is so it's so simple. It's structure. You know what I mean? It's like we we I play grew up playing sports and it's mm. like all of these things are it's a daily practice, it's structure, it's um being with a family, you know what I mean? And and like fostering those things. And I love that idea from the the mindset of we are a community. And we can continue to be a community. Human beings are not meant to be alone. And we have to, we have to be there for one another. And finding a way to do that, and especially in this, this world of you know, losing yourself in the tech again, is like, it's so special. And I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, I, I love that. And actually, I have one more like, kind of maybe analogy about it is I was thinking about this as we were talking about when my life started to change. And I realized actually that towards the end of my acting career that I actually enjoyed rehearsal and the tech process more than the performing of the show. And that's what I think of as the Zuckerberg Institute, right? Because someday when you have your billion dollars in your bank, you're going to be like, man, remember all those struggles? Remember all those times where I didn't think I could do it? Like that's your your autobiography as you're living it. Like that's the fun is that all the stress, I'm like pulling my hair out and it's falling out. I'm going gray and my my kid's a year old now and like all these stressful things. But 10 years down the road, when then I, when I have all this money and all these different things, I'm going to be like, remember how fun it was to struggle? Remember whenever we were at rehearsal, pouring sweat to all you actors listening, all you artists, you're like, it's the sweat, it's the tears, it's the extra time where the choreographer says, dance it again and dance it better this time. That's the stuff that you remember. I promise you, it's not the 9,000th performance of the same show that you've done. I promise you that's not what it is. And that's what I think is so genius about the rehearsal. And that's why I, that's, that's right. my favorite part. And thank God I learned at a young age is the rehearsal. It is, it is the discovery. Talk to anybody that's run a marathon. What are they most proud of? That they finished a marathon or that they woke up at four o'clock in the morning before work and put in their miles? 
That's what they're proud of. So if you guys are listening listening at home, drop us a tweet on Twitter and let us know what you guys are proud of, what you're working on right now towards a goal. And uh, we'll share out uh, all of the amazing, inspiring things that you're doing. You're the best, you guys. Thank you. I am so obsessed with those guys, Andrew. They are just genius. I mean, every single bit. I, I literally, I was sitting in awe, and I, I know I've said this a few times now. I am just absolutely obsessed with those dudes, and for them to be leaders and to have faults is is so special. And especially for people who are learning, it's just it's an amazing thing to watch somebody not apologize, but to be able to know that they had there's an error or they've made a mistake and to acknowledge that mistake and grow from that mistake. That is part of the I think the discovery that we talked about. They're in particular finding people who know a lot of answers and also don't know all the answers, right? That's that's something I really appreciate in a person. Right. And people who have the answers, but who are willing enough to keep them withheld until you discover it. Yeah. You know, it's a very special quality in a leader is to allow people to find things. And I think these two gentlemen have really made like it's an art. Absolutely. And so if the Zuckerberg Institute sounds like something that might be great for you, head to ZuckerbergInstitute.com and get a month free of business class. It's a platform, like the guy said, that includes a amazing calls with experts. They answer your questions. They teach you the shit they already know. There's a great health and wellness program and just generally amazing people um, hanging out around their cool Slack channel that I really uh, enjoy being a part of. So go to ZuckerbergInstitute.com for your free month of business class. And that's it for our episode of Take Me to Coffee. So now it's your turn. One, check out new episodes every Thursday on your favorite podcasting thingy majiggy. Two, for special bonus content, including being able to see Brian Patrick Murphy do some kind of what I think was a dance. Pantsless. Pantsless dance. Join our coffee club over at Patreon. It's www.patreon.com backslash TM2C podcast. And remember, your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. No one tells us what to do. Three, download these episodes, leave us a review. You know the drill. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and we surely would appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Jess. I'm Andrew. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next week. week.